NZ Aerosports, Icarus Canopies, now Gyro. That's right, we've rebranded, and Gyro is our next generation. It honours our founder, as that's the name we knew him by, but Gyro also marks the start of a new chapter. And not to be biased, but it's going to be fucking epic. Long story short, we're more us than ever. So if you're new to the sport, or even a Sky God Ninja Turtle, welcome. I think our valiant leader Lucy, Gyro's daughter, Says it best. And we still got that fuck your attitude. <laughs> Rebrand! Woo! Rebrand woo indeed, Lucy. Anyway, head over to gyro.com for more info and get amongst your legends. I was 19, broke, unemployed, and sold my girlfriend's canopy for drug money. So, I thought I'd better sell her a new one. What a sentence and what a story. This describes the humble yet outrageous beginnings of NZ Aerosports, the home of Icarus Canopies, in the words of our founder himself. From getting a paratrooper toy from his mom, watching parachutes at the DZ as a six-year-old, jumping off the wharf with a parachute made from bedsheets, doing his first jump at 16, sewing his first canopy on a borrowed machine at 19, and starting to sell parachutes out of a garage in 1986, Paul Gyro Martin had an undying love for the sky. Our company started with one man with the wildest of spirits in a true blue sky dream, a renegade. In the time that Gyro created and ran the Icarus Canopies brand until he passed away in 2017, he pushed everything he had to its limits. We miss him and we always will. Gyro is the next generation of NZ Aerosports. It honors our founder, of course, because it was the name we all knew him by, but Gyro the rebrand also marks the start of a new chapter, our next jump. Gyro is the space between sound and silence, art and science, chaos and calm. Gyro is a state of epic tranquility that transcends understanding. That moment, in the door, in free fall, mid-swoop, where nothing but the present exists. A perfect balance of euphoria and thrill. Gyro captures our passion for flying and our commitment to designing break-the-fucking-rules canopies that deliver pilots pure, wild flight. Coming straight from the cockpit, it's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go! Back in the can for another edition of the Lunatic Fringe podcast. And I'm looking at a top hat on the other end of the line for the first time ever. So right into it. Who the fuck are you and what do you do? Well, how you doing? I'm Raymond Adams. Um, I'm a hairstylist, photographer, skydiver. Um, Travel around, go to a lot of events these days, uh, taking lots of pictures. You're a busy dude. That's true. <laughs> you, true. I mean, uh, we, we've been trying to uh, match this one up for a little while now, and it's only been tough because you've been crisscrossing all around the United States and I'm still in the middle of it, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I've got a lot more coming up. But yeah, so when we started talking, I was I was in Atlanta and from there went up to Virginia shooting a wedding and some other photo shoots and stuff while I was there with some friends. 
made my way to Illinois. Uh, one of my really best friends just had a little boy. So I had to go meet the little boy, take some pictures of him. Of course. Uh, and then I made my way across. Now I'm in Colorado, visiting a friend here. Then turns out I had some other random, uh, right when I get here, I realized, oh man, I've got these other friends, and these other friends here. <laughs> I like a musician that I hadn't seen or talked to actually in several years, man. I hit him up and bro, hey, you know, hey, you still you playing out anywhere? It's like, oh, as it turns out, yeah, tomorrow night I'm playing. It was like 10 minutes from where I'm staying. So I ended up getting a bunch of other friends to come and meet, you know. So it was really exciting, you know, to show up there with like six people. Sure, <laughs> absolutely. Now, is that connections? Is that connections all uh, uh, through skydiving and stuff, or it's just life is is just uh, handing you all this stuff? Um, yeah, just a, a couple of them were skydiving, um, and then other ones just like like the musician. It wasn't through skydiving, but uh, I guess a couple of the others were through skydiving. One nice. of them, my old uh, skydiving teammate that nice. I learned to skydive with. Yeah, my buddy. We called him Goat. His name's Derek, Derek Griffin. He's not jumping anymore, but yeah, we learned to free fly together back. 99, 2000, stuff like that. We had a team, Team Super Freak. Back when it was starting. Yeah, yeah. You know, we were just figuring it out back then. Yeah, Um, man. Everybody makes fun of us, buying pizzas. (laughs) Yes, the pizza delivery and the big baggy, uh, what were they, the old Brand X suits? Oh, yeah. I don't even remember those. I remember that, a Tony suit, stuff back then, some Dekine rags pants, you know, big baggy. Dekine rags. Well, so before we'll do what we always do on the podcast, and I'll jump you back all the way to the beginning. How did you get started? Not necessarily just in skydiving, but in anything so-called extreme. Um, I mean, it's all, it depends on what you call extreme, you know, just, uh, but anything that I do has to be top notch, you know, 100%. Uh, so I'm a hairstylist first and the company I work with based in London, they really led the industry in continuing education of hairdressers. Um, branching out around the world. So I've worked with them for many years uh, as a hair, you know, hairstylist and instructor, traveling around, doing hair shows, cutting hair on stage in front of hundreds of people, breaking down haircuts. And then started doing photography to take pictures of hair. Now, how did that, uh, how did that come about? I mean, was that something that you wanted to do from a young age or was it in the family or? No, really, I just, I knew I wanted to do something artistic, working with my hands. Things like that. I love customer service, working with people. But no, really, there's. It was pretty cool. I was 19. I needed to reevaluate my uh, career goals. I actually sat down and I made a list of things I really enjoyed, things I wanted to surround myself with, things I thought would be included in the perfect job. And then I made a second list of the opposite, uh, things I wanted to avoid, things that would not be included. And just brainstormed them. started filling out all kinds of things. And then I set them aside. Uh, and over the course of the next couple or few weeks, I would think about things through my day-to-day routine and go and go home and add it to the list. And I didn't I didn't tell anybody what I was doing because I didn't want anyone else's input. It had to come from me because mm. uh, I didn't want somebody to start, you know, oh, yeah, you're like, you want this or you don't want that or, you know, that sounds great. And I go and add it to the list, but that didn't actually come from me. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, no, I spent I put a lot of thought into it and then. You know, by the over the course of the next couple of few weeks, I really I filled those pages with all kinds of stuff, and then really analyzed them and everything pointed to I should be doing hair. Man, that's a pretty mature way to go about things for a nineteen-year-old. Yeah, yeah. You know, and there's I've always been proud of that. I love sharing that, uh, especially with younger people. You know, when when I meet younger people, tell them about that. 
And I would, even too early on, I would talk about all the things that were on my list, you know, some of the things that were on my list. But then I realized if I'm talking to a younger person that I'm encouraging to possibly do the same thing, well, if I'm going and telling them the things that are on my list, well, that flies in the face of the point that I make that I didn't want to tell anybody else, you know, what I was doing because I didn't want their input. Sure. So, yeah, yeah. So, you know, through times of telling that story, I realized, wait a minute, maybe I should leave those points out, you know, when I'm talking to a younger person that I feel, you know, could really uh, gain a lot from this. I mean, yeah, because we live in a world where um, it's not nearly as much that we're being told what we can do. It's that we're being told what we can't do. Oh, right. Oh, of course. No, and I hate that. Don't tell me what I can't do. You know, tell me what I, what I can do or or tell me, you know, because I'm like, if you something that I can't do, just like, well, well, let's find out how to do that. Sure. Now, how'd yeah. you go about that? I mean, that's, that's, that I couldn't have been the standard thing that someone of your age decided they wanted to do. No. Well, then the next step, actually, well, I knew I wanted to, so I'm going to hair school. I want to be a hairdresser. I want to go to the best school, whatever that is. And I didn't know actually anything about the industry or anything. I figured the best thing to do would be call the salons and ask them what they think, mm. you know, the best place to go. So I picked up the Yellow Pages and started calling places out of the Yellow Pages. Uh, first thing I did actually though was I called Supercuts. That's them where to go. And I hear the receptionist, you know, hey, where'd you go to school? Where'd you go to school? She gets back on the phone and they say Aladdin. I was like, okay, great. Thanks. Scratch that one off the list. (laughs) And it's funny, straight up. No, I straight up did that. You know, my first thing was actually, it was a process of elimination to find out where not to go. You know, go to school, Aladdin, work at Supercuts. Because I didn't want to be doing quality hairdressing. Sure. You know, I didn't want to be doing $8 haircuts. You know, I want to be anything I do has to be top-notch quality. So yeah, and then talked to a lot of people, um, a lot of things, talked to some of the nicer, more reputable salons. And people were were really impressed, you know, that I was calling. They were stoked. They were, you know, giving me all kinds of input, but really even telling me it doesn't matter where you go to school. You're not going to learn anything in school anyway. You just go to work good and then go to work at a good salon. You'll learn more in your first two weeks than you will your whole time in school. Mm. And for the most part, that's true. And that was pretty discouraging, you know. I don't sure. want to go to school go through the motions. I'm going to go learn something. Sure. And then I came across Tony and Guy in the phone book and I'd heard of them. I knew um, who they were. They were already getting pretty well established in Dallas where that was living at the time. Um, I called them. Let's go to the Tony and Guy Academy. I'm like, wait, what? But I know there was one. And yeah, it literally it had just opened a couple months prior to that, 15 minutes from where I was living. First wow. Tony and Guy Academy in the U.S. And so I called them immediately. I set up an appointment for the next day. I walked in and I'm like, wow, okay, <laughs> can I start? Uh, and then, so yeah, I was really dedicated with that, doing all that kind of stuff. And then, so fast forward a bit, now getting into skydiving. Uh, I was watching stuff on TV, uh, a show called The Extremist back in the 90s, hosted by Gabrielle Reese. Yep, I remember and, it. A lot of different extreme sports and highlighted individuals that really excelled in these extreme sports. And um, they had Patrick, the guy done up there. Mm-hmm. First, uh, with a partner, they were sit flying, carving circles around each other, flipping over and under, and just moving around. And I'm in awe watching this, like, wow. Because I never knew you could have that much control than free fall. Right. I thought Scott Evans was jumping out of an airplane, deploying a parachute, and landing safely. And I see these guys totally flying their bodies in the air. And I'm just in awe watching this. 
Uh, and then he was out there on the sky surfboard. Mm. Uh, you know, so Patrick you know, is one that invented and started sky surfing. And I'm watching him do all these flips and tricks and spins and zooming off, things like that. And I'm just in awe watching those. So there with my jaw hanging over me, my tongue hanging out in the pool of drool the floor in front of me. Hey. You know, wow, you know, it's Gabriel Reese, an Australian accent, says anything to launch himself into the thrilling sensation of free fall. <laughs> just echoed through my head, free fall, free fall, thrilling sensation, free fall. I'm like, I'm there, I'm in. And um, but then also on the show, they had some other extreme sports. They had, they had uh, Matt Hoffman uh, on the BMX. Yeah. You know, BMX rider and stuff. I have lots of friends, actually, that know him or friends with him. I've never met him or anything, but uh, it would be neat to meet him and tell him this, too. You know, that I'm watching that and watch him do it on the half pipe. Go up and just flip, trick, spin, come down, go up the other side, flip, trick, spin, come down. And I'm thinking to myself, how many times has this guy got to smack into that ramp? before he learns how to do that trick. <laughs> and he starts listing off. Oh, yeah, I broke this tip. Bib. I broke this femur. I cracked three ribs over here. Broken collarbone. Um, broke this arm twice. This one once. So many concussions. These are the actual things he was saying. I'm not right. sure. And I believe he's about tripled these injuries since then. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then in the interview, um, the next thing they handed him was mason jar with some floating in it. He's like, oh, is that my spleen? <laughs> So I'm like, ah, jeez. <laughs> and I'm thinking back to Patrick on the sky surfboard and thinking about, all right, so if he tries a trick and it doesn't work, he's going to flail, regroup, and try it again. Yep. He doesn't have to worry about falling. He's already falling. Right? <laughs> There's nothing for him to run into. I'm like, that's for me. <laughs> now, so where did you... So you watched all this and obviously you were quite intrigued by it and the idea of not slamming into a fucking half pipe. So yeah. where'd you go make that first jump? Yeah, no, so I started calling and uh, I ended up going to uh, Skydive Dallas. Mm. I was I was in Dallas at the time. Yeah, I went to Skydive Dallas and and I didn't go to do a tandem. I didn't go to do a jump. To, no, I went to become a skydiver. So yeah, you knew was, before you'd ever made that first jump. Oh, Yeah. Definitely, you know, I went, yeah, I went to become a skydiver. Because anything I do, you know, like I go, I go. And so it wasn't just to check it out. So many people, they go do a jump and, you know, saw something and then like, oh, I like this. And it develops into something. But no, me, I went right into AFF. Now, so, uh, was it what you thought it was going to be? Or or were there a couple of moments where you're like, fuck me, this is, I, I bit uh, off something here. Um, no, I guess the only difference was um, from what I thought it was going to be to what not. I'm just. So I'm seeing stuff on that, the X Games, things like that, the sky surfing and stuff. So I thought that's, you know, stuff like that was what the sport was all about. Mm. So I went out to become a sky surfer. Um, and then randomly, actually, at Skydive Dallas at the time, we had two X Games competitors there. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, uh, Amy and Gary Haas, a team, and then uh, the Dan Drury and Rob Chickering. Nice. Team. So, yeah, it was really awesome you know, you know, get out there with those guys and, but no, I went out and I just, but I had a lot of other stuff going on at the time. I literally only made 30 jumps for my first two years in the sport. Hmm. Um, and I just, right after I went, I went to the AFF, uh, my first, first jump, and my, and my car died. <laughs> so, oh. I kept getting in all kinds of trouble. It'd always be like I get pulled over, I get all these tickets, things like that. I was always in trouble, all kinds of stuff. So when my car died, I moved to within walking distance of work. I went three years without a car. And, 
and I'm going to get out of trouble. <laughs> I'm going to get out of trouble. I'm like, okay, good. Um, and then, so yeah, and every time I went to go skydive, I had to get one of my Wolfo friends to drive me out there. Sure. Um, don't have to pay for gas, I buy breakfast, lunch, I buy beer, all these things. I basically you know, doubled the cost of eating oh, my yeah. jump. So I go out and I do one AFF jump a month, you know, then go do the next one. And then once I got through AFF, then it was going out doing, you know, doing a recurrency jump and maybe a couple other jumps. And yeah. then next time I go back out and do a recurrency jump, <laughs> a couple yeah. other jumps. And then I went, uh, I went two and a half years without jumping at all. Wow. And uh, during that time, I started doing all kinds of other stuff. Uh, so with photography, so we do all of our salon photo shoots and art team shoots. And we bring in models, have these photographers shoot them. So and I was really inspired by all of that and to start doing photography. Mm. So I started working with a photographer on the side that has connections with a couple of modeling agencies and a modeling school. So I was going doing hair for his photo shoots. And we had a makeup artist. So we're a three-person team doing all these shoots. And so, and my whole purpose of doing it so I can watch and learn from him. Sure. Doing that. And this is back in the you know, late 90s. Um, and he, you know, with film, everything. And so and he even got me involved in the dark room, doing some stuff like that. And it was really fun. Nice. So finally, I got a camera, um, 35 millimeter Minolta, a couple studio lights. Started playing with that. And it was right at the same time that I got recurrent skydiving. Hmm. Out and I just went hardcore, hardcore skydiving. I made 300 jumps my first year back. Nice. Jumping one day a week on Sundays. Nice. You know, on Tuesday through Saturday. And I just, so I realized right away that I was allowed one expensive hobby. <laughs> so photography went the wayside as I focused on skydiving, you know, going hardcore into that. And uh, it was, yeah, it was in 98, late 98, uh, I met the Flyboys. Oh. Uh, and so and it's funny, I talked to some of the younger jumpers and stuff, you know, all these things. They don't even know necessarily the history of our sport. I know. And the Flyboys being the first free fly team, you know, and there's maybe even debate on, you know, so Olaf's sir, you know, the father of free fly. Um, so, so I don't know necessarily the thing. I don't want to get into the debate or anything like that. But so let's give Olaf's for that. Yep. And, but we can definitely call the Flyboys the first free fly team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and they're definitely pioneers, all the stuff. You know, so, well, it's, it's it's funny that you say that uh, the newer generation doesn't know a lot of the history. I got a firsthand uh, example of that when I was flying out in Dubai. And over the years, I've become good friends with Omar Al-Hijalan, who, of course, was <laughs> out there shredding with Olav. And I'll never forget, uh, Omar was saying something to a group of jumpers that I'm standing there listening to, and he he has to go catch a load, so he runs away, and one of the newer jumpers is all, so who is that? <laughs> oh, fuck, man. Yeah, right? no. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Oh, man, I have a great story I want to mention in a bit about with Olaf. Uh, nice. Or, with Omar, rather. Yeah, but, nice, nice. Yeah. But yeah, please go ahead. So you met the Flyboys, which, I mean, yeah, I met the they were I awesome. I knew who they were. Um, I was a bit intimidated. Sure. As I pull up to this thing, you know, what are these guys going to be like? And just as I'm pulling up, getting out of the car, uh, my buddy Dusty Smith, uh, Team Pimp. Uh, these guys are Chris Biala and, and uh, Dusty Smith, Team Pimp, people in magical positions. <laughs> uh, they, they taught me to free fly. These guys were amazing. They were talents. They were the shit. So um, Dusty's Raymond, come here, come meet the Flyboys. It's right in the parking lot, right when I first pull up. 
and I walk over, I'm like, oh, these guys, you know, yeah. wow, you can just tell they're they're just chill, they're just like us. They're, I can just tell from that moment, be like bros for life. Yeah, man. And this is true, you know. Now it holds true, and they're so cool. Most of, most of the weekend was weathered out, so we're hanging out, with the party and stuff. At one of my buddies' uh, apartments, watching some of their videos and stuff, and I'm in awe watching their videos. Just and I'm thinking to myself that no one is going to get to that kind of level of doing anything one day a week. I don't care right. how much I was banging it out doing three. You know, I did 300 jumps my first year back, but right. jumping one day a week. That no one's going to get that kind of level. And then the next part I realized with them that it was a lifestyle. Whereas sure. for me, up until that point, Scotland was an activity that I participated in. Right. Where I went out on Sunday mornings, banged out as many jumps as I could, and then went home. So after that, actually, I, I switched my schedule in the salon to start working Monday through Thursday, giving me Friday, Saturday, and Sunday to skydive. Sure. And I started spending nights in the drop zone. Um, and then it became a lifestyle. Sure. Well, and it's so funny it's that you funny. say that because it was those exact guys too, right along with with Olav and Omar, that showed me that it was a lifestyle as well. Because it was the yeah. same thing. You know, I, I started the first turban drop zone I ever jumped at was Paris Valley, which is oh, where awesome. the Flyboys were, you know. And, when was and that? Uh, uh what's that? When was that? That would have been 90, 98, 97, 98. Yeah, so same same time frame. And when I actually met the Flyboys, met them, they were actually in Las Vegas where I was working as an instructor in the flyaway tunnel. So I met them as a bunch of goofy guys that we couldn't control that were just bouncing off the walls, having a blast. And then I went to the drop zone and met them. And I'm like, oh now i okay i get it i get it it's this it's a lifestyle these guys this yeah. is this is what they do this is yeah. them you know and it was yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a real light bulb moment and that's kind of when i was like oh i can i can actually be a skydiver not just do this for fun yeah no exactly and i always talk about that when i talk about them i talk about meeting the flyboys changed my life yeah it's funny i had an experience one time where i'm somewhere I mean, some younger jumpers, there are people with in Mike Ortiz, they're in the group. Yep. I mentioned about the Flyboys, and I start to say something, and then, and then Mike kind of steps in to, uh, you know, interrupt me. I think he was more, he was worried that I was going to be going on about how maybe a lot of other people would be, oh my God, these guys, sky gods, da da da, you know, this kind of things like that. And he didn't, you know, he would feel awkward being there in that situation. But then he realized, you know, later on, it's like, no, I'm, you know, my story about meeting the Flyboys is how they literally changed my life. Yeah, yeah. You know? And it's because of those reasons that we mentioned. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's kind of funny. Uh, you can say that the Flyboys changed your life, and I can actually say one of the Flyboys saved my life, literally. Really? Uh, without that? without going really long into the story, Fritz was at the drop zone in Mexico when I got a gun put in my face and it was him and his uh, girlfriend at the oh, time. I thought it was going to be a skydiving thing. No, right? yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it kind of was, but uh, when I say he helped save my life, I mean, fucking literally like yeah. I had a gun in my face at a drop zone in, uh, in Mexico. And it was Fritz and his girlfriend being there that kind of kept him from pulling the trigger. Good. Yeah, man. So, hey, we have a shitload in common, man. The Flyboys drastically altered our lives in positive ways. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's something you mentioned the other day, you know. And then you mentioned, yeah, your time in Dubai, it's like that. I have lots of good friends, you know, that spent a lot of time out there. Um, so, uh, Junior, 
Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. They're they're really awesome. I I did um I did her I did Nicole's hair for their wedding and, and photographed the wedding. Nice. But, Beautiful uh, photographs, by the way. I've seen all of them. I was supposed to be there, but couldn't get out of Dubai. Man, no, it was a great wedding. And then the party uh that ensued oh, afterward. Yeah. Of course. Days, big mountain house. And... <laughs> of course it was. Again, I got to see the pictures. I didn't get to partake, but I actually yeah. uh, um we would take a group of us would go from Dubai and uh, Junior and I were actually partners in a couple of uh, Airbnbs in Bali. And so we'd go to Bali and we we got our, our post wedding party out of the way uh, probably six months later, I think. All right. Yeah. yeah. Nice. So hey, yeah. Tom, a couple of days before their wedding, you know, I'm sure you've seen seeing that one it ended up being on a t-shirt on a jersey that Sunshine Factory uh, produced. I was able to surprise or no, or present to Nicole whenever they, they came come back from Dubai. Because yeah, the day before the wedding, we did a jump where the guy that did the ceremony and the best man were on their bellies. Nicole hanging uh from the hybrid and yeah, yeah. on top. Which so is absolutely awesome yeah i haven't uh, i haven't gotten to catch up with junior in quite a while although he and i are supposed to do another uh catch up podcast because he was actually my very first guest on this show oh okay guys yeah man yeah he was he was he was quite a a regular because obviously we were working together in dubai so uh usually every four or five months i'd have him on and we talk about stuff that was going on and he was actively going around and doing a lot of the competition stuff and doing a lot of record stuff and and actually i just re-released an episode with uh omar and junior um just this last week so i've I've, i've had him on a million times but so oh, back to you, you, you started uh, three days a week. You're cranking at the drop zone. You're using the, the Flyboys has been a great motivator for you. So how does it, how does it start taking off for you? Well, yeah. So at that point I just, so I'm going off, I'm doing 900 jumps a year at that mm. point. Uh, just working or just not working in a sport, just playing. paying Which for is them insane. Myself. Yeah. So most people, you know, you know, anybody that has that kind of jump number is usually is uh, working in a sport. I made enough money in the salon that I could afford to just go out and play. Mm. And I didn't want to get into that trap, you know, because on the weekends when the cool kids were there, I wanted to go out and fly with cool kids. Sure. You know, I say the cool kids, you know, you know what I mean? Probably, you know, just the, the advanced jumpers, the progressing the sport, learning to free fly, putting stuff together, going on big group jumps, tracking dives, whatever. And my friends that worked in the sport couldn't come play with us. You know, I was like, Hey, come on, we're coming and doing this. Boom, it's like, oh, you know, I gotta go throw this rogue or I gotta go shoot right. this video. They couldn't come play with us. Um, I mean, not to knock that, you know, uh, because uh, some friends are really dedicated to that and giving people their once in a lifetime jump out of an airplane the sure. best experience in their life, you know. So respect to that. Sure. Uh, um, but yeah, I just I wanted to go fly with the cool kids. And so now just going off, you know, doing all that. And what's yeah. great, fast forward to now. Uh, being a scouting photographer, doing all this stuff. This is the closest to working in the sport that I've ever done. Sure. But I get to go fly with the cool kids. <laughs> uh, I've got the coolest job in the in the sport at all. You know, I go to these events. I go to the boogies. Even the LOs, right? They've got incredible that, – that's a great rock star slot, the LO at, at a big boogie. Absolutely. They've got to be there at 8 o'clock in the morning. They get their group of people together. Get everybody manifested, plan, organize the skydive, do the dirt dive, do the walkthrough, put it in the mock-up, walk through it again, do all the stuff, go do the jump, get up, get down, debrief, and do it all over again. Because ultimately, for the drop zone, their job is keeping asses on the plane. 
Sure. Keep people motivated and, and jumping. My spot, you know, I show up whenever I do, you know, I'm not there at eight o'clock in the morning. I, mean, I can't be a slack ass about it, obviously. Right. <laughs> right. Um, but you're not going to see me there at eight o'clock in the morning. Um, and then I show up, I go jump with who I want to jump with. I do sure. what I want to do. Like if we want to go do a two way, let's go. You know, if you and your buddy are doing a two way, I go jump and fly around. You guys doing a two way. Then I'll go find what the LOs are doing, move around, you know, and I got to spread the love. You know, I can't sure. just stick with one group doing the thing. And I want to make sure I want everybody to have a Raymond Adams photo from the event. Yeah. yeah. You know? Well, the cool thing about that, too, is it, there's so many different levels to it all and you've got the cool kids and you've got the people that are the badass logan load organizers that are out designing and and executing these kick-ass jumps but there's also the people that are coming up and learning their way that want to feel like a cool kid as well and to be able to go out and jump and have fun have fun with somebody like you that's going to get that awesome snap is incredible oh, no i love those experiences too i mean everyone said uh scott chicago they were doing a thing and they were they were all the LOs and photographers and stuff that had a little bio where they were introducing us one night. And one of the things I talked about was specifically that, that how cool it is to go and jump with all, you know, the top skydivers in the sport doing all these other things, but there's nothing more rewarding than going and jumping with that new jumper sure. uh, and, and doing that stuff and getting that shot with that new jumper, you know, cause yeah, the, the experienced jumpers doing these big ways, things like that, you know, they see the stuff, you know, yeah, it's so cool. They dig it, but it's old hat, you know, to them. But you get that younger jumper and inspire them to go out and get to that point and see how much it means to them. That's just, there's not much more. Because I remember when I was a younger jumper. So oh, yeah. Like that. You know, I, 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 I had the coolest um kind of mix between both of those in that I was a longtime tandem instructor and, and I would get this buzz off of taking people on their first jump or an AFF instructor that would get a buzz out of watching someone kind of overcome those hurdles. But yeah. as a, as a result, I didn't do the kind of fun jumping that you did. I didn't get to go out and really bust out the, the crazy fun jumps. And so my progression and free flying was slower and stuff and cut to years later, I'd be going out and doing a jump with somebody like junior as an extremely experienced skydiver myself, but yeah. seeing him recognize the buzz that I was getting off of pulling something I hadn't done before or oh, yeah. a free fly jump that just went really well and knowing what he was thinking is he's looking back at me looking like a student with this goofy grin on my face. And it was a really yeah, yeah. fun thing to, to literally be on both sides of the coin at the same time to be experienced and a student of the sport all at once. It was really fun. Well, none of that experience too. Ever as his experience on that would be, you know, getting down where he's doing all these other jumps, doing the stuff, but then seeing that even during the jump, seeing the look on your face, seeing the shit, knowing when you got the shit, when you find, when you get that dot, when you do that transition together, real eagle, whatever, and just knowing how stoked you are about it, just that would be one of those kind of jumps that, especially with somebody that is experienced like this, that can add even an extra element to yeah you know, oh yeah 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 experience to be that fired up like a student again well that was the thing too it was actually junior that did it because i hadn't jumped in a couple of years i'd been too busy flying and and uh i uh, had stepped away from the instructor thing and and uh it was actually at an event in dubai and he we had a down day and as a pilot i, I wasn't flying that day and he just looked over at me casually and went you want to go make a jump 
and I got butterflies. I'm like, oh, oh, fuck. Sky yeah. me skydive. Oh, shit. And went out and made that jump. And of course, I was just beaming ear to ear. And then in in one skydive with Junior, I was back to being a fun jumper. Or I should say I was becoming a fun jumper again. And it was fucking amazing. Right. No, that's exactly that point. Because then all of a sudden you're inspired. You're fired up. You know, because we get we get in our pattern. We get in our, you know, um, and so yeah, have something to trigger that. Yeah, ready. yeah. Oh my god. No, yeah. let's, let's do it again. Do it again. Oh <laughs> <Hell> yes. <laughs> now, when when did you decide you were going to start mixing your passion for skydiving with photography? Well, so that was later on. There was a whole different thing that kind of went with uh, in between that. So hardcore in the sport, going off, doing nine hundred jumps a year, working Monday through Thursday, um, paying for my jumps myself. And then I realized, you know what? I just wanted to be with these people. I love the skydivers. I love the community. I love being on the drop zone. I just want to be there. So actually, I ended up, I left the salon. I left my job. I left my clientele. I built up over 10 years that afforded wow. me to be able to do 900 jumps a year. I got rid of everything, that which I couldn't give away. I threw away. I loaded my convertible with what I needed to survive. And I took off. I went traveling around the country, living in a tent, cutting hair on the drop zones to make my way around. Wow. And Dude. For a year and a half, I did that. Went full circle around the country, one and a half times during that, knowing that I wasn't going to even be able to make near the jump numbers that I was making before because sure. I wasn't going to have that cash flow coming in. And then also when I was at the drop zone, rather than jumping my ass off, I would be hustling to uh, find some clients to cut their hair right. <laughs> so I could make my way to the next spot. But that didn't matter because it wasn't about the jump numbers at that point. It was about just being, you know, with with you guys. Sure. <laughs> you know? And no. I just, I so much. I so completely agree with that. Dinner, that I, um, at the Chicks Rock movie, it's got up Elsinore. Uh, I met a girl that had come from England to participate in the event. Uh, it was love at first sight. She canceled her flight back and stayed with me. And we traveled around together. I ended up... Um, moving to Atlanta, guys I worked with in salons in Dallas had moved to Atlanta and opened uh, Tony Guy salons there. They wanted me to move with them at the time, but I was too busy. Scott having at the time working Monday through Thursday, doing you know a, a new moving to a new city, opening a brand new salon. I wasn't going to be able to live the lifestyle I'd grown accustomed to. Sure. So anyway, I moved there, but at this point, then I'm all focused in the salon. And actually, I went for a decade of only doing 30 jumps a year. Wow. So uh, going from 900 a year, you know, to 30 jumps a year for all this time, because I was focused in the salon at this point, working six days a week and just barely getting out, um, all that. And I started doing Photoshop. So I had some friends, uh, or excuse me, we were doing our salon photo shoots and our team shoots, had other photographers shooting them. They'd send me their, their raw images and I was doing all the retouching and all this kind of stuff. Well, after, and after a couple of years of doing that, Finally, I'm like, you know what? I just need to get a camera. You know, I'm, I'm finishing the photos. I'm bringing in models and other things. I'm finishing the photos. I need to have a camera and just and be shooting them. So, so I got my camera for that. And then so as it relates to skydiving, so before I tapered off the sport, I got myself to a skill level that I could go to any boogie and jump with the top three flyers and come on and fly head down and dock, turn points, things like that. Um, I know I got my camera. Well, I could go out to these events. Sure, I could go jump with these guys, but I'm I'm a bit rusty, and the sport's progressing. Sure. The wind tunnels come of age and all this kind of stuff. 
So they'd be waiting for me, you know, come on, right. come on, but I can put my camera on my own. I can sure shit fly around the outside and take pictures. Sure. And then uh, my buddy, Eric Darren, uh, a really good friend of mine who started VFS uh, four-way at the time, VRW four-way uh, is the only free fly competitions that there were vertical competitions was like the three-way artistic. That's mm. very uh, subjective, you know, and it's, sure. you know, how tight did they stay together? How visually appealing it was, difficulty of maneuver. Well, with the BRW, it's objective, you know. Did you score the point or didn't you? You know, did you sure. go before or didn't you? And it had just gotten to the point that there were enough people that were proficient enough in this in flying vertical to even do four-way. Sure. So they're just working on this. So this is back in 06. It was the first year that um, that, that was a discipline in nationals. So at a party, a surprise birthday party for my wife, Eric said, sees me with my camera. I said, hey, you want to come uh, jump with us, take pictures of our team training for nationals? I'm like, wait a minute. So based on what it was, what it was, and who it was, my response was, sure, I'll go take a cover shot. <laughs> and so sure enough, so I'd have my camera for six weeks. And my first time to ever submit anything to the magazine was a cover shot. That's fantastic. Yeah, you know, and I love telling people that, but then I have to disclaimer tell the rest of the story that is based on what it was, what it was, and who it was, you know. So, but it's, so it's all part of the whole thing. But at the same time, you know, there's a reason that I was the one that was tapped to go and sure. take the photo. But I definitely sure. felt like whoever took that photo, it was destined to be a cover shot. Of course, of course. I mean, dude, you made some really bold choices. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, for sure, man. It's like, I don't, I don't, um, like full blast, like full blast, you know, freaking go for it. You know, like it's one of the things actually, um, I remember when I first decided to leave Dallas, to leave my job and go travel and do all this, um, my grandmother was coming in the salon to get her hair cut and everything. And she's always been the worry more, you know, what are you going to do? So I'm, I'm planning on telling her about what I'm thinking about doing and, and I'm ready for her antics. I'm ready for her questions. What are you going to do about this? How are you going to handle this? How are you? So I'm trying to prepare myself, anticipating what these questions will be so I can have answers for that. I start telling her what I'm thinking about doing. She blew my mind before I got just a few words out of my mouth. She stopped. She grabbed my arm. She said, go, <laughs> go. I'm like, what? She said, yeah, if you have a desire to do that and you have a means to make it happen, then by all means go. You don't that's think awesome. you're old, what if, what if I would have taken that chance? What sure. if, you know, and that's something that comes with, you know, experience and, you know, age and stuff. And I was like, wow. Well, and your yeah. grandmother, I'm sure was probably about the same age as mine. They came from a generation where you didn't, go for it you told yeah. the line you did what you were supposed to do and the yeah. the ones with uh some foresight were sounds like your grandmother was new to tell you fucking do it if if it's gonna make you happy do it yeah you know because that's definitely a big bold you know decision you know to leave a job and a, a clientele that took me 10 years to build up to be able to do 900 jumps a year that i was paying for myself you know to leave yeah man and go and zero regrets, you know, and it's so many things in my life that have happened, you know, since then. That I'm sure the only people that regret that decision are the people whose hair you cut. And there's that. Yeah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, I've, when I used to have enough hair to be worth cutting, uh, losing a, a, a hairdresser that knew what the hell you liked was fuck. You'd rather give up a kidney. 
Yeah. No doubt. No, I remember my, it's my first announcement that I've been thinking about for a while and finally got to the point where there was this day, some things had happened and now it's time. I walk in the salon one day, I'm finishing my first client. And as I'm finishing up, my neighbor comes in, he's setting up his station next to me, getting ready to work. I was like, hey, Kyle, come here. I want you to meet somebody. Kyle, this is Deborah. Deborah, this is Kyle. I think you'll <laughs> like him. He's a great stylist. And they both looked at me, went, what? <laughs> what? And that was my first announcement. That was my first announcement to anyone. That's how that, that's how that went down. And yeah, no, that was just. Now, did you know you were going to do that or did it just, did the mood just strike you right then? Or did you know in advance you were going to do that? No, I've been thinking about it for a year. Um, And then some different things, you know, um, and it's kind of waiting for the right time. Then something happened. So I making a connection with someone. I was wondering to see how that's going, but then that didn't. And all of a sudden it's like, no, now's the time. They must have thought you were nuts, especially back then, because skydiving was still very fringe, man. I mean, it it wasn't something you you ran off to go do. It didn't have the almost F1 feel that skydiving kind of seems to nowadays. And it certainly didn't have uh it didn't scream uh future, <laughs> you know. Right. But to me, it wasn't about that. It was just about the the freedom, the lifestyle, things like yeah, that. Man. But there was some of the F flying, you know, stuff going on. Because I was, yeah, we were getting into, I was doing free flying and going out and doing some of the, you know, some of the best of the best, doing that sort of thing, uh, and getting into swooping, uh, flying high performance canopies, canopy piloting. So I was in the early days of that. Yeah, um, man. So got in that. I remember in the beginning seeing some things, and oh no, I'll never, I'll never do that. Next thing you know, here I am. Uh, but yeah, my buddy Jim Slayton, uh, you know, met up with him. It was a crazy thing. Let's have you mention this real quick. I mentioned him. So I showed up at Scott in Houston for the first time, January 2000. And I see this guy and I'm like, wait a minute. That's, that's, and he saw me. He's like, I know you. I'm like, no way. JP. He went by JP back then. It's James Paul Slayton, uh, boys ranch. So when we were 16, 17, we were at this boys ranch together in Waco, Texas. No a, shit. Yeah, it was a placement for wayward teens and stuff. And there's 40 kids on the ranch. We uh, you know, worked on the ranch, went to school, took classes and stuff, lived in these different home units, two kids in each room. He was my roommate. No shit. Yeah, he was my roommate. Of like, And we were bros. We did all this stuff together. I left the ranch on a break. I got some other opportunity for something and ended up never going back. So I wasn't able to maintain contact with anyone or anything. So here it was, or 11, 12 years later. And I show up at Scott F. Houston. And I see this guy. No fucking way. You know, my roommate from the boys' ranch. Not only are we both skydiving, uh, we're both hardcore in skydiving. I had just over 1,000 jumps at the time. He had almost 2,000 jumps. Yep. Uh, we're both into free flying, which free yep. flying was in its adolescence, you know, best at that point. Um, we were both on teams. He had the Orbit Punks at Skydive Houston. I had Team Super Freak at Skydive Dallas. <laughs> um, we were both into swooping. Uh, you know, swooping was very early on. And we were both organizing events. We were both in the process of organizing our first event. Oh, dude, uh, that's uh, wild. Everything each other said. No way. Get out. Me too. <laughs> no way. Me too. So well, and for, for any of the younger jumpers uh, listening, if you don't know the name Slayton, fucking look it up. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. man. Yeah, there's some history there. Oh, absolutely. And I got more history with him than, you know, like as you just heard. 
you know, than, than a lot of people, you know, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and we're still bros, you know, I still chat with him time to time. Uh, it's been a while since I've actually seen him. Hopefully maybe I'll see him here soon. But, uh, so, but yeah, I started organizing some uh, scoop competitions there at Scott of Houston yeah. back in 2000. Had some smaller competitions and stuff, and that's where I met, you know, a lot of the other big guys, you know, in sport. Um, things progressed in 2001. You ended up moving out to California, uh, you know, Team Extreme, and starting the Pro Scoop Tour out mm. in Paris. My first time in Paris, yeah, June 2001, for the uh, first Pro Scoop Tour competition, and that's where I met. Uh, that's where I met Jay Malinsky. and he's amazing. So he, he's one of my best friends. Nice, you know, love that guy. So yeah, doing so much stuff with that. These are part of the things as well, you know, leaving the salon. It's like, hey, you know, because I just want to be involved in this stuff, going out, sure. swooping, doing all that. Now, would you have been out in the, you said PST. Did you go out to PST heading out towards like a Wildwood? Did you do the Jersey route? That was right when, um, that was the second competition that I missed. So that was in 03. Yeah. So I was doing all those things in, um, yeah, in 01 and 02, doing all the big competitions there, you know, and traveling around. It was even a, doing the, I did the Red Bull Blade Raid. Uh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they set up a swoop course down a Black Diamond Ski Slope, uh, Elk Meadows Ski Resort in Utah. They flew us up in a helicopter. We jumped out, flew our parachutes down the side of the mountain. Which I is so ahead of its time. Oh, yeah. And no, and it's crazy, too, how we thought that that was extreme. That was really extreme. Flying our parents and now I see my friends, you know, in these wingsuits grinding these cracks in between these rocks <laughs> and shit like that. I'm like, ah, yeah, man, it's crazy, right? I mean, uh, it's it's funny because I'm sure you feel the same way as me. I mean, we've been in the sport for quite some time, but I still feel like a kid in the sport. I really do. I still have this um, this joy and this awe about skydiving. But the fact of the matter is, we're becoming the wise old sages. You know, we're the we're the guys that have been around a long time now, which is crazy. Yeah, no, true, true. But you know, and I still get so fired up. You know, I started things back. I go some jump, get down, and I've had people make comments about you know how much they appreciate the fact that I'm still you know I got to do some on some sick jump, do some old thing. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Well, and the cool thing too is, I, I, especially with me not jumping nearly as much, I still have such an incredible appreciation for what's being done that even if I can't do it, I'm fucking stoked that other people are. Oh yeah, yeah, no, no doubt, no doubt. You know, and I'm going around. I'm very privileged, you know, going to these events and you know, jumping with these organizers, doing these things and. It's a great thing, too, because I'm all focused on stills. They see my still. I get that shot. I'm all about getting that shot. And I'm there, and I get the shot. They don't need to see the video. Video is too telling. <laughs> they don't need to know how much I flailed to get that shot. They're all looking at the group. They're doing their thing. They don't know. You know, They think I can fly. <laughs> I was there the whole time. Kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you say that because I shot a bunch of video, too, and I had a buddy years back shoot outside video of me shooting video. And he yeah. showed me the video and I was fucking horrified because I looked like an idiot. I just looked like a train wreck. The body oh, yeah, positions yeah. I was getting into, all the random shit that I was doing, it was the least pretty flying that I had ever seen. But then you'd watch my video of the you jump. You haven't seen me flying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's all in what they see in the picture frame, right? <laughs> no, right, exactly. 
That's all that matters. What was the same with me? Because you watched the video that I shot and the video was great, but the bot, the shit that I had to do to get it was just ridiculous. Oh, no, no, I've had that where I've been like some angle dive going on, you know, and guys leading on his belly and everyone's following him. And I'm out in front of him, down below, underneath, looking back, getting that shot, you know, it's like the primo shot. And then he flips around on his back um, and sees me and busts out laughing. <laughs> I've literally had that with the organizer see me bust out laughing. I'm probably like in a daffy, one arm up, one out, and all kinds of, you know, which is not anything like you would, you know, coach someone to because I'm not even thinking about what I'm doing. But you know yeah. what? I was there, but I'm there. I'm in that freaking slot, you know. Absolutely. School. I was even profiled in parachutes uh, a few years back, man. That was an incredible honor. One of the questions they asked, actually, what's your most embarrassing moment in free fall? I was like, well, let's just say anytime somebody sees me flying. <laughs> so I'm, just, I'm better behind the camera. <laughs> sure. Now, when you're going out to do a jump where you're you're aiming for, uh, um, for shots, uh, are you scripting that jump prior to, or is it just an in the moment, I need to get over there to get this angle? Um, I mean, that depends. That depends. You know, sometimes it is just kind of moving around. Um, but if it's a specific jump and I've got some idea and I knew, I know where I want to be to get a specific shot and that sort of thing. So I am planning on that. And there's a difference too, you know, where people refer to me as a videographer. I'm like, no, but I'm a photographer. Oh, the same. Well, it's not really, you know, sure. I have a video camera. Most times I remember to hit record. Sometimes I even watch it. Sure, sure. <laughs> Less than five percent of my video I even watch, um, but then it's good to have because every now and again I get that one that I have to I have to check out that video. Sure. But, uh, but even so, moving around say on an angle dive or something, if I was flying for video, I might be zooming around, carve around this, doing that. But I'm flying for stills. I'm trying to get right at that one slot to move around and get where I can see everybody, yep. where everybody's in it. I get their faces. I get the things where nobody's eclipsed by someone else. That sort of thing, you know, so so there's that difference, you know, to be flying for stills rather than flying for video. And that's unusual nowadays, too, because, I mean, come on, we're we're in a TikTok YouTube world now. Oh, yeah. where it's all yeah. about that, you know, 15 second video. And it's mm -hmm. not necessarily about that beautiful still shot. Right. So, yeah. And, it's a, and still, though, you know, there's not been a 15 second video on the cover of Parachutes magazine. Never will be. <laughs> So moving forward, where do you see yourself going? I mean, right now you're literally traveling the whole country and visiting people and, and having an amazing time. What does the future hold for Raymond Adams? You know, and that's, and that's a question, you know, I'm just, uh, so finally, you know, my wife and I had separated uh, several years ago. Finally, the divorce was finalized uh, earlier this year. And that's part of the reason now, which I've been wanting to do this for a while. I've been kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop because our, separation and everything uh, to be able to do this. And so I've got a lot of things going on. And so honestly, yeah, there's some, uh, you know, soul searching, you know, going on, finding myself. I don't see myself settling down, doing anything anytime within the next year uh, at least. And so just going around wherever I can and getting, you know, more active into shooting, you know, these events and going out and I'm shooting all kinds of stuff. You know, I just did some, some portraits of one of my buddies and his, and his daughter, 
uh, yesterday. Uh, nice. Whenever we're done here, I'm about to go out. My buddy that was performing the other night, he and his wife and his two beautiful daughters, I'm about to go do some family portraits with them. Nice. Uh, and this is a really cool thing, you know, so I'm just going around doing whatever, visiting friends, doing things. And then here, and I pick up some work here and I pick up some work there. I go and shoot this. I go and shoot that. Um, and it's great, you know, make my way around. It's my mom's birthday today. I'm about to call her uh, when we get off of this. Nice. Wish her happy birthday. And and one of her presents, basically, uh, will be me letting her know that I'll be showing up for Thanksgiving. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So I've already uh, known this for at least a couple of weeks that I was, would be there for Thanksgiving, but she doesn't know this yet. That's fantastic. Yeah. So she'll be really excited. You know, oh, hell yeah. Now, are you still are you still cutting hair while you're doing all this? Absolutely, absolutely. Like I have so much, I have as much passion for hairdressing as I do for um, for skydiving. You know, that's awesome. Photography and all the stuff because it just I feel my whole purpose of being really is to make people feel great about themselves. And so it started off with the hairdressing, you know, and I cut someone's hair. We give somebody that great haircut where they look in the mirror and they just, they, this is what I've been going for. This is what I wanted to see, you know, and they, they, they stand an inch taller. They feel more confident, you know, they're like, sure. great, you know? and then, and then part of the reason I get into photography, you know, cause that was all just so temporary, you know, and sure. that picture can last forever. And then when I get that shot, I get that picture of somebody in their element, doing their thing, whatever their thing may be, you know? And I really like just capturing moments, um, like the spontaneous, candid shots, things like that, you know? And somebody, sure. you know, whether it be DJing, whether it be skydiving, whether, you know, whatever. And I get that shot and it's the best photo they've ever had taken of themselves, you know? And they, they love it. It's gonna be their profile pic for however long to come. Right. Um, because I've captured them in a way that they want to be, how they want to be seen. Sure. They want to have himself put forward and, you know, and it makes them feel great about themselves. And it's like, boom. And I just, there's, it's so rewarding. And this is stuff that drives me, you know, it's, it's making people feel great. And like, I'm not driven by dollars, you know, this is one of the reasons I'm just kind of like making my way along, you know, today, yeah. but, but I'm making it and, I'm, and it's awesome, you know, and it's so much, those other things are so much more rewarding. Sure. We, you know, that was always one of the things that I think I enjoyed most about the skydiving community was we all spent so damn much money to be able to go out and jump that we didn't have money to do things outside of making those jumps. So we made the best of not having money when we were back on the ground. And those led to some of the most amazing times I've ever had, you know, hanging out in a shitty ass trailer in the backwoods of a drop zone with a bunch of broke people that were scraping oh, together, yeah. you know, to have some half-assed barbecue and the greatest time ever and that, that was the last that was i was just about to say the best freaking time of our lives you know yeah. that. well especially uh, early on you know you're thinking anything that you would spend on something else especially when we're younger in the sports like wait that this is I, I could buy this but that's like four jumps i can get this money <laughs> you know, on this but man that's three jumps i can do it. oh man so so it wasn't even, it didn't matter about these other things because the only no. thing that mattered to us was going, man, I, I shudder to think about how much money I spent oh. on the sport. You oh, know? no, no. I, I couldn't even give it a second thought. And it's it's kind of funny looking back. I have a nice house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? It, it oh, just, sure. it, it turns out that all the money that I spent on rigs and jumps and all that was basically my 
ticket to enter the community of skydiving, right? I mean, yeah. it was that was the entry fee for joining the coolest fucking club I could have ever imagined. And it's a private club, too, you know? Because yes. outside of the sport, who gives a shit? No one. Yeah. Nobody. Nobody. Yeah. I mean, I, I've had a couple of the world champions in different disciplines on a number of times, and you always ask them, Obviously, this is, you know, this is not the Olympics. This is not going to get you on Conan unless you're, you know, the soul flyers. This is this is just a bunch of fucking skydivers, you know? Yeah. Why why are you yeah, doing it? They're like purely for the love. Yeah. Yeah, we'll do a world record jump and all this stuff. And in fact, actually, I uh, one of the uh, biggest things I was able to shoot it was incredible. It was an honor. It was the, uh, it was a vertical sequential world record, uh, 2.77 way. We had four planes flying in formation, come in, build the first formation, break, turn intern, and then build the second formation all in one skydive, man. And watching that build in front of my face. Like, yeah, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. Absolutely yeah. epic to the nth degree. And, and yeah. uh, you know, I and, and I, I think most jumpers out there have had an opportunity to see something in front of them that they just could not have ever otherwise imagined. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, a brief time, I've got to tell you this in a moment. But um, so after doing that thing, uh, I get down. I have a friend, and she's a producer for CNN. And she helped me put together, um, you know, a press pack uh, with that. And just, you know, doing things, keep it short and sweet, the bullet points, blah, 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 make it interesting. And so to send this out to some of the media uh, things, so uh, some of the top, um, you know, news opinion organizations, whatever you know, out there. Sure. Um, some of the local news channels, you know, in Chicago, because it's done at Scott of Chicago, and all this thing. And so, yeah, I put together this awesome thing um, with all that, and I send out to all these different things. You know how much response I got back from that? Mm. Zero. Yeah. Absolutely zero. You know, but it's one of those things. So that's disappointing. But we don't we don't do it for that, obviously. No. no. You know. So you think about other sports, like, you know, like I'm not into basketball. I've never been into basketball, you know, right. But I know who LeBron James is, you know, sure. and, and things like that. Like I mentioned other sports and other names and things like that. And, and people can agree on things like that. But then, yeah, I talked to other people outside of the sport. Rube Nelson, who's that? <laughs> you know, right. you know, you got world champions and this, that, and the other, you know, they have no idea. They've never heard the names. And if it doesn't, but obviously, that's not why we do it. We're not sure. driven by fame. Well, that's always one of the things that that made it even extra special for me. Uh, back when it was really popular for everybody to wear uh, wear the closing pin necklaces, if you'd see someone in the real world with a closing pin necklace, didn't matter if you knew this person or not. It was. Dude, big fucking family. hugs. Oh, instantly yeah. family because you Absolutely. were a member of a tribe that nobody yeah. knew about. Just the coolest uh -huh. thing in the world. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. Yeah, man. Absolutely. But so, no, I'm going to I'm gonna get, get back to a bit. Earlier you had mentioned Omar. Yeah, uh, yeah, please, my, please. So back, uh, my last jump of 99, uh, my first time out to Eloy, Y2K. And so we're going, I'm just getting to the point in my free flying to be able to be there. Sure. Uh, and you know, so much struggle, you know, or I'm like, I see the point, I'm trying to, uh, uh, uh. so just getting to the point of, be, of being there. So here we are, sunset jump on the 30th. We didn't jump on the 31st. We were, we were partying all day. On that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So sunset jump on the 30th, we're going out full load of free flyers and otter. I'm second to last out of the plane. 
So by the time I get out of the plane, that base is a thousand, fifteen hundred feet away. It's you know so far gone, and uh, and so I just got to just punch it out. Just die, die, die. and the base was uh, a six-way round. They free flew the exit actually. A six-way round. Three guys flying tubes. Um, you know, flying head down with tubes attached to their feet, and then three people filled in between them, closing it to a six-way round. And the three that filled in between were Chris and Dusty of Team Pimp, the Tommy to free fly. And Rook, and I mentioned I'm second to last out of the plane because Rook was last, uh-huh. and he's in the base. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I get out. I'm diving with all my might, just dive, dive, dive to get down there. Got down, you know, level, throw everything out, breaks, 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 and I sunk maybe a body link below, maybe a body link above, and then boom, on level, stoked right there, about ten feet from it, ready to move in and take my dock. And then here comes Omar in a stand, carving circles <laughs> around it. I'm like, oh! So yeah. watching this beautiful thing at sunset, the six-way round with the tubes and my bros and all this stuff, you know, in there, in it, and seeing Omar carving around it, just in awe. And we get down in the, in the packing area, and everyone's gathered around the big screen, you know, watching. That, and I'm talking to my buddy through my experience. With that, I mentioned how, yeah, and I was about to come in and take a dock, and then Omar comes carving around it. And he's standing just in front of me, overhears me, he turns around and looks at me, he's like, oh, I'm sorry, did I cut you off? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, you go. <laughs> You're all good, man. You're all good. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I've got no pictures, no video, anything like that, but I've got it all right here. Yeah, uh, man. All right here, you know. For and, sure. It's uh, yeah. um, in more times than I can count in the sport, you have those holy shit moments. I can't believe type of things. And and uh, my big one with Omar was after I'd been in the sport, you know, 26 years, the first time that I'm sitting in Siang Bochi uh, with him helping do uh, stuff on the ground for Everest skydive, hanging out with Omar, shooting the shit, watching canopies land around all these mountains. And you just can't not just... How, 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 how is, how have I gotten this lucky that I'm getting to see this and do these things with these amazing people who are just like, yeah, man, come on, help out. Let's have some fun. It's just, I mean, it's got to. Well, that and of itself, and I guess that's a bonus to the comparison between where I mentioned these other sports and stuff like that, because they're so reachable. Yes. Where some of those things, the superstars in the other, you know, professional sports and things like that. You know, what are the chances that you're going to be over there, you know, bumping elbows with those guys? Exactly. Know? Yeah, there's not Where too many high school are, basketball players that are the best of the freaking world, you know, the best of the best. And like I said, whenever I met the Flyboys, as soon as I met them, it's like, oh, you know, these guys. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, there's there's not a, a high school basketball player out there that's going to find himself hanging out with LeBron James. You know, it just right. doesn't that, that kind of stuff doesn't happen. But in skydiving, right. it does. You know, I mean, exactly. I, I've had the opportunity to have, for lack of a better word, many of my heroes in the sport on the podcast because they're just that cool. They want to talk to skydivers about skydiving and share their love of the sport, which is amazing. Yeah, no, totally. Totally, you know, and then I love the opportunities we were talking about before, as far as jumping with the younger jumpers, it's like that. It's yeah, a great experience of thing. Uh, at some boogie, sunset loads going up. I go, I see some empty slots on the plane. Uh, I see a couple of the LOs on there, a bunch of ninjas on this jump. So I put myself on the load. And I go back up, and I'm busy working on editing some of my photos. 
And I come back down to see what ninjas I'm going to jump with. And I see this guy looking at the board, you know, like, hey, yeah, what are you doing? And oh, I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do. And long story short, you know, I find out like he's, he's a young jumper. He's just getting back into the sport. You know, he's only even tried free flying like twice before. Sure. Stuff like that. And I'm like, dude, I'll go jump with you. I'll go jump Hell with yeah. you. And, and he didn't even know who I am. Not that I'm anybody, you know, or anything, you know, but, and so, yeah, we go out and do this jump, man. And it was, so I kind of, you know, it was helping along point, giving some pointers of like sit flying and stuff. So he comes out and he's holding the sit fly position, but he's just flailing flailing he's flipping through it flipping through it stuff like that and at one point i got a shot as he was literally like flailing through the position you know so he, <laughs> he ended up finally holding it for a couple seconds later in the skydive but i get this shot of him you know and it looks like he's just solid with this thing he's got this grin from one ear to the other you know sunset all this shit man i got down and I made a square version of it to have for his Facebook. And literally 10 minutes after landing, I, had, I handed him a four by six print of oh, this man. photo of the thing, man. And it's just, dude, what that meant for him, you know? Just, of course. Whoa! Of course, yeah. man. That, that, is, yeah. that, that hangs on his wall to this day, guaranteed. No, absolutely, you know? And it hangs on to, you know, in my mind, you know, this thing. So all these other ninja jumps I've done, these epic things with these, you know, top free flyers, you know, in the sport. You know, those are great, but moments like that. Yeah. You know, yeah. That thing, taking that younger jumper and boom, he's getting back in. And that's the kind of thing I was saying before. Now, dude, he's fired up. He's fired up. He's dedicated, you know. Yeah. He's going for it. He's yeah. he's the next uh he's the next uh, team member of the up and coming Flyboys or or the next Olaf or the ne you never know because he went out and got to do a jump with somebody that just gave him that extra spark, which is amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, no, and I friends to do that too. I love that. So people want to come out and jump with you. They want to get a haircut. They want to hang out. They want whatever it is that Raymond Adams is spreading out there. How do they find you, whether it be social media or or where you're traveling? How do they track you down? All right. Well, now on social media, I'm on uh, on Facebook, Raymond Adams. Uh, I got Raymond Adams imagery as well as my professional page, but I hardly ever do that. I don't like that platform as much. But uh, sure. on Instagram, Raymond Adams Imagery, uh, my next big skydiving event that I'm going to is Invasion, Scott Sebastian, over nice. two years. So, yeah, come out to that, guys. Yeah, that's, that's always a good one, you know. So I was there last year, incredible, got some awesome jumps. And, you know, sometimes the weather can be, you know, hit and miss, but uh, but the party is always a hit. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, yeah. I'll tell you what, Raymond, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to sit down with me today. And I want to tell you right now, we got to have a round two, because I know I've not even scratched the surface one one hundredth of the stories, and I want all of them. So let's make sure we do this again, because it's going to, I guarantee people are going to love hearing it. No, that sounds great, man. We're, we're gonna, we'll have to do a lot of them, <laughs> uh, and, it's, and And this is great. Yeah, I really appreciate you. I was you know, and for me, it's morning. I've just woken up. I've been a little intimidated. You know, how I'm going to come across, what I'm going to be able to say. But no, this is, yeah, this has been great. No, man, it's really been fantastic. And make sure the next time, because you'll probably see him before I do, give Junior a big hug for me. Say hello to everybody that I know. And if they don't know me, say hello for me anyway. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, likewise. Thank you so much. Thank you. See you guys soon. See ya. 
Well, there you have it. Another episode of the Lunatic Fringe Podcast brought to you as always by... Well, wait. Not as always, actually. Brought to you now by Gyro. Formerly known as NZ Aerosports, you'll head to gyro.com for their next level line of canopies. By Pussfoot, the Extreme Sports Collective. Head over to pussfoot.com to check it out. By Summit Parachute Systems, check out summitparachutesystems.com to talk to Jarrett Martin and the gang about kick-ass pilot rigs, rigging courses, and more. By Flyaway Indoor Skydiving, go to flyawaytn.com and check out all the cutting-edge stuff to come. By Pure Spectrum CBD, head to purespectrumcbd.com to check out their wide range of CBD products. And as for us, head to the lunaticfringepodcast.com to listen to any of the hundreds of episodes currently available, hit the link for our YouTube channel, pick up your copy of the Lunatic Fringe book or The Accidental Stripper, and get a sneak peek at upcoming guests. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.